Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. kind of, it's more of a a teaching than a preaching message, and uh, it's it's something that I've been walking through, Uh, did some research, did some research on, so you're going to get a lot of scripture tonight, but you're going to get some some research uh, resources. And so we're just going to kind of talk tonight, okay? Is, is that all right? Uh, so I want to talk about food fight. <laughs> food fight. Uh, many of you know, uh, if, especially if you were here, my, the last what, two messages that I've preached, I spoke about my issue with Oreo cookies. (laughs) And so this all began one day when I, uh, and I I believe I told this the last message I I preached, I I wanted to get a small pack of Oreo cookies. I didn't want to get a big pack, you know, family size pack that they sell in Kroger's. I just wanted a small roll, you know? And so I drove to four different gas stations to find this small roll of Oreo cookies, vanilla, by the way. And, and so when I, I, I got to the fourth gas station, by the time I got to the fourth gas station, I didn't have any. I left frustrated. And while I'm driving, God starts to speak to me and said, he said, do you see what you're doing? Do you see what you're doing? And so I, I, I began to just kind of just dig into why I was doing this. Sometimes you, you got to dig into the root of the problem. And so uh, tonight we're going to kind of look at uh, appetite, indulgence, craving. And when we look at when we look at appetite, it doesn't mean that you are overweight or obese. It it, it just means that there there is something that the enemy has found a way to use inside of you. And I I began to really think about this because, and just being vulnerable, over the years, I've never really weighed a lot myself. But if, if you could see me on the inside, on the outside I was thin, but on the inside I was obese because I would overeat. And so the enemy, he uses, listen, he'll use a paper clip if it'll trip you up, okay? And so part of the battle is this. The Bible says we are not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. 
And so when you come into those, those stages in life where you recognize that you're in some type of cycle, you have some type of habit, or you have something you can't really shake, or something that's driving you, you're going to have to take a look at it and, and research it. Ask God to give you the grace to overcome it. And, and so appetite, if we're talking about appetite, uh, appetite now is very vast because people have an appetite for sex, unhealthy appetite even in marriage. Uh, people have appetite for material things. So appetite is vast. Tonight we want to talk about food. Uh, tonight. And so to, the purpose of tonight's message is not to offend anybody. It's to enlighten you. Okay? And if anybody offended, it's me. I'm offended at how I was acting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so appetite, it affects the way you feel emotionally. It affects the way you think. And, and, I, and I begin to think about this, how, you know, if you, you sit down, you eat a huge meal, you don't really want to go and read your Bible. You, you don't really want to go and pray afterwards. Uh, you, all you really want to do is to sit down, watch TV, and take a nap. Is that just me? Or, okay. <laughs> So God doesn't want us to get to that point. Can you ever imagine Jesus saying, oh, and burping? <laughs> and saying, I ate too much. He never did that. He wants our minds to be clear. So if, if my stomach is affecting the way I think and affecting what I do, then I have to bring my stomach into subjection to the mind of Christ. Let's look at some scripture. 1 Corinthians 9 and 27. And this is out of the Amplified Bible. He says, but like a boxer, I strictly discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached the gospel to others, I myself will not somehow be disqualified as unfit for service. He said, like a boxer, you, you, gotta, you have to fight and discipline your body. And he uses the analogy of a boxer because it's a fight. It's, it's a fight when you begin to, to, to battle against the flesh. 1 Corinthians 6 and 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. So Paul in this is specifically uh, speaking in regard to uh, food and drink, that he will not be enslaved by anything. And, and he mentions being enslaved. And so in other words, he's saying, Paul is going, letting us know that I have one master, and that's Christ Jesus. 
And I'm not going to let anything in this world then master me. Now, go to Revelations 18, 15 through 23. And I'm going to try to read this quickly because we have a lot to get to. Revelations 18, 15 through 23. It says, the merchants. Now, pay attention to that word, merchants. The merchants, the businessmen. Uh, these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. So it's, it's speaking of Babylon. And saying, alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches is come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and all... And as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. For in one hour, she is made desolate. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone, cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. The voice of harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee, and no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of a millstone shall be heard no more at thee, and the light of a candle shall shine no more at all in thee, and the voice of the bridegroom and the bride and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants, there's that word again were the great men of the earth. For by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. Now, that word sorceries there is the word pharmakeia in the Greek. Pharmakeia speaks of, in the Greek definition, drugs, medication, magic, spells, spell giving, witchcraft, a druggist, potion, a poisoner of magician. Now, I'm not, up, I'm not telling you this so that you can stop taking your medication, okay? I, I, I myself take medication. But when does medication become then sorcery and witchcraft? It becomes sorcery and witchcraft when there is an addiction that takes place. There are a lot of people that are addicted to painkillers. They're addicted to certain medications. And some people are addicted to medication and, and don't even need it. And so it, at that point, it becomes witchcraft and sorcery. And so what Satan has done is he's learned how to use chemicals, even the chemicals in our own body to destroy us. Have you ever heard of MSG? 
monosodium glutamate, MSG, GMOs, things of that nature. Now, MSG, MSG is a flavor enhancer, often added to restaurant foods, canned vegetables, soups, deli meats, and other foods. I had to research this, because I wanted to know what was in that Oreo cookie. Come on now. <laughs> the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has classified MSG as a food ingredient that is generally recognized as safe. But its use is still debated for this reason. When MSG is added to food, the FDA requires it to be listed on the label. MSG has been used as a food additive for many years. During this time, the FDA has received many reports of concerning reactions that people have attributed to foods that had MSG in them. These reactions, called MSG symptom complex, include headaches, flushing, sweating, face pressure and tightness, lack of feeling, numbness, tingling or burning in the face, neck, and other areas, quick fluttering heartbeats, chest pain, nausea, weakness, weight gain, and blood sugar fluctuations. There's a guy by the name of Russell Blaylock, uh, a doctor. He has a book called uh, Exotoxins. Ex excitotoxins, excitotoxins. I thought I had that on there, but I may not have had that in my PowerPoint. Excitotoxins. And so he wrote a book that's called The Taste That Kills. And he talks about that excitotoxins are taste enhancers that are found in abundance in many food products and have been shown to cause damage in human brain cells. And I don't, I don't know if I had a list of the common names for MSG, but there are over 300 names for MSG. And the MSG, a lot of the products that have MSG in it, they can actually, if it has so many, just uh, are there, there's a few MSG, they can actually say there's no MSG in it. But there are like 300 different names. Uh, glutamate, glutamate acid, hydrolysized corn, magnesium glutamate, pectin, sodium caseinate, soy isolate, soy sauce, yeast extract, yeast food. There are all these different names for MSG. I want to encourage you to look at a documentary called Secret Ingredients. Secret Ingredients where there was a family that had sickness for years. Uh, the, the parents were sick, the kids were sick, and what they did was they got rid of the GMOs and the uh, MSG and different things in their diet and, and, and their health returned to them. 
MSG is in foods like Doritos, Pringles, KFC, my Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Fast foods restaurants, they use MSG. Condiments and processed foods. For a moment, I want you to watch this video because a lot of times we wonder about the battle we're fighting and we condemn ourselves. And many times we don't realize that we are being victimized. Let's watch this. The title of this video is The Real Reason Why McDonald's Fries Taste So Delicious. That red and yellow sleeve, that certain flavor in the oil that you can't quite put your finger on, that one-two combo punch of sugar and salt. What exactly is it that makes McDonald's fries so perfectly craveable, so addictively munchable? Time after time, visit after visit, we found out. The French fries are pretty good. French fried potatoes? Yep, French fries. If you've heard the rumor that McDonald's fries contain beef, well, those rumors are sort of almost true. It began back in the 1950s. The company that supplied fryer oil to the McDonald's Corporation couldn't keep up with demand for hydrogenated oil, so they invented an alternative, beef tallow mixed with vegetable oil. The flavor proved insanely popular. In the 1980s, though, health concerns prompted McDonald's to switch to remove the beef tallow. These days, the fries are made with high oleic canola oil, which has zero trans fats and the lowest level of saturated fats in the vegetable oil family. But since McDonald's wants their fries to taste the same, they supplement this oil with artificial beef flavoring, which unfortunately makes the fries non-vegan. For everyone else, though, mmm, tasty. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Sugar and salt are two of the most addictive foods in the world. Sugar has even been likened to a drug. Dietitian Cassie Bjork told Healthline, research shows that sugar can be even more addicting than cocaine. Sugar activates the opiate receptors in our brain and affects the reward center, which leads to compulsive behavior despite the negative consequences like weight gain, headaches, hormone imbalances, and more. That helps explain why the fries are so addicting. McDonald's coats their fries in dextrose, a form of sugar, to make them more consistent in their golden brown appearance, and then pounds them with salt when they are pulled from the fryer. When salt and sugar are combined in this sort of balanced equilibrium, the brain floods with dopamine, the neurotransmitter that produces feelings of pleasure, and our willpower can't hope to compete. They say you eat with your eyes first, which is part of the reason McDonald's uses that dextro spray to make them all look golden brown. That's not the only trick up their sleeve, though. After the potatoes are precisely cut, blanched, and then sprayed with dextrose, the fries are then coated in sodium acid pyrophosphate, which keeps the fries from turning gray after freezing and help ensure a consistent pale yellow color batch after batch. The result is a perfect-looking French fry every time. Eat it up, eyeballs! Speaking of that precise cut, another reason McDonald's fries are so good is their shape. 
Measuring no more than a quarter inch across, they represent the perfect balance between golden crispy outside and fluffy baked potato inside. Any thinner and french fries turn into nests of too crunchy, mouth-destroying coating, totally devoid of any starchy potato goodness. Any thicker and the crispy element is lost, resulting in a french fry that has more in common with a baked potato, requiring you to bury them with condiments in order to get any flavor. Do you have a life preserver? What? French fries drowning. According to the New York Times, the thin-cut McDonald's-style French fry represents the perfect balance. A fry that can emerge with enough crispness to stand up to a cheeseburger, enough taste to go with a lobster roll, and the right stuff to stand proud on its own. It's a formula you just don't mess with. There are several sacred things in this world that you don't ever mess with. One of them happens to be another man's fries. Remember that natural beef flavoring? Well, there's another weird side effect of it. When the ingredients break down during the cooking process, they create naturally occurring monosodium glutamate, or MSG. There have been a lot of rumors about MSG that have been debunked over the years, but researchers have discovered one actual property of MSG. It interferes with the satiation mechanism in our brains and has been proven in some studies to increase overall food intake in laboratory animals. That means when you start eating fries, you may not be able to stop stuffing your face. It's not your fault, it's science. McDonald's fries are amazing when they are hot and fresh right out of the fryer, but they quickly go downhill after that. According to an exhaustive study by The Takeout, McDonald's fries transform themselves from crispy golden spears of deep-fried perfection to grease-sodden sleeves of inedible trash in as few as five minutes. Luckily, that doesn't happen very often. That's because french fries are the most popular item on the McDonald's menu. How popular? McDonald's reportedly sells roughly 6,250 pounds of fries every single minute around the clock for a whopping total of 9 million pounds of fries served every day. That's a lot of potatoes. With that kind of turnover, chances are you're going to be getting those fries hot and fresh. It's weird, but true. The fries are popular because they're good, but they wouldn't be nearly so good if they weren't so popular. All right, you can stop. <laughs> so these companies know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And, 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 and so in Revelation, he said, for thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. And they, they use chemicals to hook people and a lot of these chemicals, they know they are damaging and destroying people. They, we have so much food with red dye 40, which they know causes cancer, but they use it anyway. Uh, I remember when Lisa, she worked at Hershey's uh, when we lived in Pennsylvania. She actually worked for a Hershey Corporation for one good day. And... <laughs> And, and I remember they told us that, you know, in, in, the, in the mix of chocolate, there's allow so many roaches. Yeah, they, they allow so many. It has, you know, if it has a few roaches in it, then it's okay. 
If it has a lot of roaches in it, I guess they throw it away. But they, you know, one or two, they figure it won't kill you. So they're making money off of us. And then it just, you know, it's, it just snowballs because then if they're making money off of us, we're, we're getting in a very unhealthy state because of what we're eating. And then the doctors are making money off of us because and the drug companies are making money off of us. And, and so we really need to uh, have a, more of an appreciation for biblical fasting, scriptural fasting, and self-denial. Self I encourage you also to look, watch 60, it's, you can YouTube it, it's 60 minutes, the show 60 minutes, the uh, program 60 minutes, uh, The Flavorist, 60 minutes, The Flavorist, and they go in and investigate these flavor-enhancing companies, and they talk about a lot of different things, uh, how they're deceiving people. You know, you get something, and it's, it said strawberry flavoring. Well, it's not strawberry. It's flavored strawberry, but that's not, it's not from a strawberry. It's from the back end of a beaver. And so, yeah. So we don't, we don't know what all we're getting. So, so listen, how do you fight the battle? Uh, we, we have to fight the battle mainly not with the word no, but with an alternative yes. It's interesting to me uh, how many scriptures there are uh, that have a, a, a food and taste analogy in the Bible, even for God himself. Psalm 34 and 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. First Peter 2 and 2, desire the sincere spiritual milk of the word. John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Come to me and you will not hunger. Isaiah 55, 1 and 2 says, Come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which is not satisfying? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. So the implication here is that if we give ourselves to being satisfied with spiritual bread and wine and milk, then physical hunger will lose its power over your life. The main way to fight cravings that we don't want is to experience higher spiritual cravings and then let those dominate us. Somebody say amen. I'll give you an example of people in the Bible who didn't control their appetite. First, there's Esau, Genesis 25. 30 through 33, and I, I encourage you to, to read these, 
go back and read these scriptures and go through them. Esau, Genesis 25, 30 through 33. Esau despised and lost his birthright as the firstborn because of a plate of food. Just because he couldn't endure hunger, he lost his blessing and, and, and became a servant to his brother. Hebrews 12 and 17 from the Message Bible, it says this. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. I've used the Message Bible in quite a few of these uh, examples here because uh, the message just kind of makes it plain. 12 and 17. Watch out for the Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You will know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then, it was too late. Tears or no tears. The Bible says that he sought it diligently with tears, but couldn't find a, a place of repentance. That's the King James. And so it was too late. He didn't value his destiny because of food. And, and, and then later he regretted it. The Israelites, number two, and you find that in Numbers 11, 4 through 5. Numbers 11 and 20. And 33 through 35. Actually, you could just read the whole book, uh, whole <laughs> the whole chapter, chapter 11. The Israelites were miraculously fed with manna from heaven, but they craved for meat and grumbled against God. God gave them meat and they ate until it came out of their nostrils, the Bible said. God said, you want it, I'm going to give it to you. They were later destroyed for their desperate craving. And then we also know number three, Adam and Eve. Genesis 2, 16 through 17. And Genesis 3, 1 through 19. They ate the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden against the instruction of God. And they lost fellowship with God because of appetite. Eve said, Eve said it looked good. You know, that's the, that's the first part of eating. It looks good, you know. And somebody gives you a plate, and you see how uh, the food and how it looks good, even how they plate it, you know. That's the first part of it. And so we have people who, who didn't control their appetite. And let's look at some people who controlled their appetite. First of all, we have to take a look at Jesus. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. He, he tells the enemy, he says, men shall not live by bread alone. After Jesus had fasted for 40 days, he became very hungry. 
but refused to turn stone to bread as the devil had told him. And so it's interesting to me that the very first temptation the devil uses on Jesus happens to be food. And I believe today, you know, the devil has a foothold in the lives of people through food. Through food. Not only that, it says he became very hungry but refused to turn. So he didn't in haste begin to eat, which is important because when you go on a long fast, the first thing you do not want to do is eat a bunch of food or, you know, just eat just anything. I remember when we lived in... Uh, also, when we were living in Pennsylvania, there was a guy who went on a 40-day fast. And after the 40-day fast, he, went, he ate two steak dinners and died. So it's important how you come off a fast. God's watching how you conduct yourself through the fast, but he's also watching how you come off a fast. The widow of Zarephath, number two, 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. During a serious famine, this woman had, she had a small amount of food left for her and her son to eat. But when the prophet Elijah asked her to give him some food first, she obeyed. And God provided for her and her son. She obeyed. Because she didn't, she didn't hoard on to what she had. And then number three, the Rechabites. How many of you ever heard of the Rechabites? The Rechabites in uh, Jeremiah chapter 35. I actually love this in uh, Jeremiah 35. Uh, it talks about the obedience of the Rechabites. And, and I'm, I'm going to just read that to you. The word of, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the house of the Rechabites, speak with them, and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers. Then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons and the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdalia, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials above the chamber of Messiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Ooh, that's a lot. Then I set before the Rechabites pitchers full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink wine. But they answered, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant, uh, have a vineyard, but you shall live in the tents all your days that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. 
We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he commanded us to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, our daughters, not to build houses, not to dwell in. We have no vineyard, field, or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. But when Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came up against the land, he said, come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we are living in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord? The command that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept. And they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I mean, when God starts to tell on you, come on. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way. Amend your deeds and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then shall, uh, you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or to listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them. But this people has not obeyed me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them because I have spoken to them. And they have not listened. I have called to them, and they have not answered. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed, have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts, done all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. Wow. I thought that is incredible that a father gave a command and they're following the command, not just the, the, the sons, but the daughters, the grandchildren, the, 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 their, their, uh, their wives. They're all following the command that he gave, which shows incredible discipline and restraint. They held to that. So I want to talk to you and let you, uh, give you a couple things. I'm down towards the end. We're going to, uh, I want to talk about how to tame or control your appetite. How to tame and control your appetite. And we have to know how to do that because... Uh, because many of us have struggled in the things that we eat, in weight gaining, uh, just that, that total struggle. And, and so we have to learn what it is that we need to do. It, it's not just you know, 
I know a lot of times we want to just pray it away, but listen, you got to pray and fight. <laughs> you got to pray and fight. So, there's, there's some things that you have to know. First of all, the love of food can enslave you. And that, that's in Numbers 11, that 5 through 6. I like what the Message Bible says. It says, the misfits among the people had a craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining. They can't have, we, why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt, and we got it free. To say nothing of the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlics. But nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. And so the Israelites, they complain uh, against God and desire the food of Egypt from the house of bondage. And, and the devil, he can deceive you and make you think that you had a good thing and that you was doing better in bondage. Ain't that, ain't that how he does? An untamed appetite can make you a glutton, and gluttony can make you poor. That's Proverbs 23, 21. Now, don't get offended by the word gluttony. Gluttony is really just having a craving for food that conquers you. Like, if you know you shouldn't eat ice cream, but you got a craving for it, but you know ice cream will mess you up. I know I'm preaching to myself right now. <laughs> listen, listen, I had to talk about this. I remember there's certain foods I should not eat. And I remember I sat down, I had a, a stuff on my plate, and I began to pray over my food. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. And God said, do you think I'm going to answer that? And I paused. <laughs> and Lisa said, what's wrong with you? I said, God just spoke to me. I said, <laughs> because, because this is what we do. We desire, like the children of Israel, something that's not good for us. But we make a decision that we're going to eat it anyway. And then we're going to pray over it like God is going to just dismiss the fact that you are going to intentionally eat something. Come on now. The struggle's real. Come on. And God said, do you think I'm going to answer that? I was like, oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> but I want it. <laughs> you know, but... See, God said, God said, I'm not going to answer that because you're intentionally going to harm yourself. So you want it. That's what he did with the children of Israel. So they, they wanted, the, they didn't want the manna. They wanted the meat. And God just, okay, I'm going to give it to you. Proverbs 23:21. This is the Message Bible. Oh, listen, dear children, become wise. Point your life in the right direction. Don't drink too much wine and get drunk. 
Don't eat too much food and get fat. Drunks and gluttons will end up on skid row in a stupor and dressed in rags. Boy, the, the message Bible will mess you up. <laughs> An untamed appetite can make you disobey God just like Adam and Eve. It'll make you disobey God because there are times when we overeat and God is wanting to move us to prayer. Hmm. Number four, the devil can attack you through food. People have become poisoned through food. Overeating causes fermentation in the stomach. I didn't know that. It causes fermentation. I also read, you know what else causes fermentation? Milk and cereal mixed with acid in your stomach causes fermentation. No wonder these kids, when they get to school, act off the chain. Because <laughs> they have drug. <laughs> help us. A spiritual problem can be introduced into your life through food. People have had negative experiences with food that caused them to get seriously ill or even die. Remember Paul said this. Paul said, don't eat anything sacrificed to idols. So it's not just physical. This is spiritual. How to tame or control your appetite. First of all, desire spiritual food, which is the word of God. Matthew 4 and 4 from the message. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream or a steady diet of the words from God's mouth. Number two, avoid cravings or desperate desire for food or drinks. Proverbs 23, 1 through 3, also from the Message Bible. It starts off, restrain yourself. When you go out to dinner with an influential person, mind your manners. Don't gobble your food. Don't talk with your mouth full. And don't stuff yourself. Bridle your appetite. Also, we need to pray over our food. Matthew 14, 19. You know, Jesus prayed over the loaves of fishes, the loaves of bread and the fish. He prayed over it before he, break, before he broke it and gave it. So you pray over your food because we don't know what's in everything that we're eating. Look, there's something in everything. And, it's, and, and it's, it's a fight, you know. It's a fight. You, you know, and we, uh, many times, we can't always uh, afford to eat the way we want to eat or need to eat. Put it that way, need to eat. Uh, we have to say it in our house, Whole Foods takes your whole check. <laughs> So, so we just have, we have pray over your food, okay? And, and uh, pray 
Luke 11, 3, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Don't be anxious about what to eat or drink. Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things shall be added unto you. A lot of times because we're so anxious to eat, and then we, we, we stuff ourselves. Learn to endure hunger. You didn't even know that was in the scripture, did you? Philippians 4 and 12, Paul said, I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. So he tells you, be full, but also be hungry. Why? Because in being hungry, you learn to exercise some self-control. So how many, you know, kids many times, they, they're hungry and, and they think they're dying. You know, I'm hungry. You know, no, the Bible says suffer hungry. Suffer hunger, sit down. <laughs> you know, and, and many times we, we get like that, like we can't wait. Oh, I can't wait. You know, pace yourself. You know, there are people, you know, you go to Sam's Club hungry. You going around taste testing everything. You go to the grocery store hungry. Many times you buy a lot of stuff you don't need. And then you, when you buy it, you get it, and you open it up right there while you shopping and start eating before you even pay for it. He said, suffer hunger. Just suffer it. Suffer it. You know? Don't be anxious. Don't be in a hurry. Suffer. Learn to be full. Learn to be also in hunger. Learn to fast. This is my last point. Learn to fast. Discipline yourself to fast from time to time. In, in my house, I told them, I said, look here, January is not the only time that we're going to fast. And many of us, we, we, get, we fast in January for those 21 days. And then the rest of the year, you know, we learn to fast from time to time. Learn to skip a meal from time to time. In doing that, you start to exercise some self-control. And, 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 and God will grace you. You know, put something aside and say, okay, Lord, you know what? I'm going to just put this, I, I can eat this right now, but I'm going to put this aside for you. Put that aside. I, I started doing little things, you know, fasting, and, and, and I try to fast throughout the year uh, quite a bit. But also, even in, on my plate, I leave something. There are many times I say, you know what? I can finish this, but Lord, I'm, just, I'm not going to finish that. 
I'm going to leave that. That's a, a sacrifice right there. You know, and God will grace you. He will grace you. Uh, I, I, when I started fasting years ago, it was, it was the hardest thing for me because I spent most of my life overeating. I, I didn't gain a lot of weight, so I thought it was okay. You know, we have a tendency to do that. I thought it was all right. But overeating was hindering me spiritually. And we have to be like Paul. I'm not going to let anything, anything master me. Not one thing. He doesn't want you to to be bound to not one thing. I think Pastor Ethan kind of set the stage for this because he started, he talked about freedom in Christ, being free from bondage. And food, like with my cookies, you know, they give you that dopamine effect and you keep going back to it. And I've started to notice patterns and I sit down, if I sit down to watch a ball game, all of a sudden I want to eat something. Even if I wasn't really hungry, I want to snack on chips or something. Something, you know, because I'm watching a game. And I start picking little things like that up, you know. And so we have to be aware of what the, the things that the devil does to trap us and to hold us in bondage. And God does not want us in bondage to nothing. He said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are free in Christ. But we have to also make him not just we have to make him Lord even over our eating habits. Make him Lord over our food. And in that way, the enemy won't be able to condemn us. Come on. I don't, I don't know if you ever felt condemned about. I know I have. I was condemning myself while I was driving, looking for those cookies. <laughs> But God, God began to say, Wayne, now, that's too much. That's, that's too much. And so, you can stand to your feet. I just wanted to encourage you tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. If there's anybody that wants prayer, you've been struggling with any type of bondage, you want prayer, I'm going to invite you to come down. 
you know, many times people don't want to talk about their struggle. And I'm, I'm not ashamed to talk about it. And, you know, it is funny in a way, but it got to a point where it was sad, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm driving around like an addict looking for cookies. And, and I know God was speaking to me. And, and I know I'm not the only person in the house, you know. I know I'm not. But I, if, if you want prayer, you can come down for prayer. I, I, prayer, I'll pray with you. Was it easy? No. Listen, during the conference, we had Oreo cookies, okay, that we were passing out. Do you know somebody gave me a bag full of Oreo cookies? And, <laughs> And I thank you for that because you was thinking about me. I appreciate it. I haven't had any this year. I haven't had any this year. Because I was determined. I said, okay, I'm not going. I, this, I struggled with this all last year. This year, I'm not struggling with that. I'm not doing that. So I haven't had any this year. So somebody gave me a bag full of the vanilla Oreo cookies. And so I, I said, you know what? I took them home and I put them in a drawer and I just left them there. I said, you know, I, when I got victory over it, you know, when I got victory over it, I, I, I'll do one here or there. And then lo and behold, I go to my drawer and my wife found my stash. <laughs> Nothing in there but rappers, you know. <laughs> I said, honey, you found my stash. But <laughs> don't tell her I told you. <laughs> but listen, as Christians, it is our job to fight cravings and appetite and addictions and habits that do not glorify God. I'm going to encourage you to I want to encourage you to get in the Word of God. You get in the Word and get a craving for the Word of God and get a craving for the things of God. You will find out that food will no longer have power over you. I encourage you tonight. Let's change this year. Let's change it up. Don't let nothing have you. I'm going to I'm going to pray. I know I've went kind of long, but I want to pray and let's take a moment and just worship God.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 